Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Ah, what a great day. (laughs) Ah, it's good to see your faces. I had to mentally prepare to preach to your faces today. And all the extra wigs. <laughs> it's so many wigs. <laughs> oh, I'm glad our kids are in this service today. Um, I, I had a moment even preparing and I thought, oh, I think it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter that they're in the room today. So y'all just be along for the ride. Parents, you too. I know it's a journey. Um, so... Uh, I wanted to, you know, as I started this week, I knew that a couple of weeks ago we started dreaming into this Sunday, and, and what do we want to do? And I felt so strongly, let us celebrate what God has done in the last 16 years. And I just want to cheer him on, celebrate his goodness, celebrate his faithfulness. He has shown up and blown us away. And... But to be honest, I started my week in a little bit of a funk and a little bit of a bad mood and a little bit of disappointment. And I started diving into these testimonies. On Monday in our staff meeting, I said, hey, what has God done in the last 16 years? And we popcorned testimony, 16 years of testimonies, and it was wild. It often took four of us to fully remember the testimony at hand. We're like, oh, and then this guy did this, and then what about that? And it was this hilarious, wonderful, fun remembrance time. And honestly, I have felt my hope rise up this week. And, you know, almost on accident by preaching this sermon, however we know we can do this on purpose, right? But (laughs) I was blown away with the impact of 16 years of testimonies. And so I'm going to dive in. I'm going to push this forward a little bit. Okay. Um, In Psalm 78, he um, is, there's a snapshot of the Israelites' history. And all their great things and all their failures. And it's just listed in this psalm. And I want to read to you starting in verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, that the children yet unborn, and they will arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but to keep his commandments. And I'm thinking, oh, these kids are in the room. (laughs) We are supposed to tell the testimony to the generations for them to carry them. And, you know, David, he just spent so much time meditating on the law and meditating on the testimony. And he fed his spirit, man. He fed his soul. And it is our portion to be hopeful people. It is our portion to be the most hopeful person in the room. 
And, you know, Steve Backlund says, he that has the most hope has the most influence, unless it's Bill. It's one of them. They all say it because it's true. <laughs> he who has the most hope has the most influence. We are meant to be the influential hope carriers. And the way we increase our hope is by what we feed ourselves. And I am a testimony of this week feeding myself on these 16 years of testimony and literally feeling an increase of hope welling up in me day after day after day. And, and so we got to be those people. And so we're going to be those people. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the testimony, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to raise our hope. I, uh, you know, testimony, the testimony and courage go hand in hand. The courage to obey. Um, later in this chapter, in verse 9, it talks about the Ephraimites, and they were armed with the bow, but they turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law, and they forgot his works and the wonders he had shown them. We as a house are called to be those who hear his voice and run and obey, which looks like a lot of courage to obey. And if we're not hearing his voice, building ourselves up with hope, building ourselves up with a testimony, I'm not sure we're going to have the courage that we need to obey when he says, hey, do this crazy thing. Hey, talk to that person. Hey, be bold. Take a risk. Step out in faith. So this is a practice that we can't grow weary in. This is a practice of reminding ourselves the testimony of the Lord. All right? I, uh, the, another thing the testimony does is it prophesies. The Lord wants to do it again. One of the root words of testimony is do it again. And uh, I was walking yesterday. I, I have this favorite walk I do. And, um, and I am... I am in a, <laughs> I'm on a journey, and I've had recently been diagnosed with MS, and so walking is not as easy as it used to be. And so I'm yesterday. I'm walking. My goal is one mile, and so I'm walking, just praying about today, just praying with the Lord, and He reminds me in this moment of Carolyn Book's testimony. Uh, she had non-diagnosed MS for four years in her late 30s and 40s. And she is a walking testimony of healing from MS. <laughs> Yay, God. Yay, God. And so I'm walking by my favorite lake in Peachtree City, and I'm reminding myself, hey, that testimony can prophesy of my healing. And I'm, I'm, and the Lord in his kindness, he's like, this is where you literally always see Carolyn running. I only see Carolyn running the track that I was walking yesterday. And she is a grandma who runs more than most of us in the room. And I'm like, this is our testimony. This is my testimony. It prophesies of my future. And so I'm going to share a load of testimonies as we take a drive down memory lane and remember what God has done. And I tell you, hey, if it's for you, you grab it. <laughs> if it's something your family needs, you grab it. If it's something your child needs, you take it for yourself. It's, it's for all of us. It's an invitation 
These are all of our testimonies. Um, in Psalm 119, verse 111, he says, I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Everything we read about, everything in here is our inheritance. Everything in here is an invitation. If you haven't yet seen the breakthrough you need, it's in here. He's done it all. He healed every disease. <laughs> and so everything you hear today, everything you read in this book, they are our inheritance. And I'm just grabbing hold of it because it's for us. It's for today. All right? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to backtrack about 16 years. I'm going to give you some testimonies of old, okay? I, I had 20. I pared it down. So... Just going to keep it moving. <laughs> um, we can celebrate, though, like it's the first time we've heard it. Because for some of you, it's the first time you've heard it, all right? And I got some timelines perfectly accurate, and some are a little wishy-washy. So, but the testimonies are really good. <laughs> so, all right, first year, um, back in 08, we had a school of ministry outreach that would go to little five points. We had this false belief that we thought eventually testimonies are going to happen here. We don't know, but one day they're going to happen because we were a new church and they started happening from day one. <laughs> and our, our students went out to a little five point outreach and they stumbled upon an ambulance and a guy who had overdosed. And the guy was dead. They had they had pronounced him dead. They were in no rush. The paramedics were in no rush. Um, our students just, they're laying their hand on the ambulance, just praying, praying. You remember. Okay, this is fun. I'm going to see faces that remember these testimonies. And, uh, and they're praying, and the ambulance is there for maybe a while, half an hour or so. And the ambulance drives away. Person's dead. Goodbye. And later that day, Lydia... One of our students gets a phone call from one of the paramedics, and they say, hey, you won't believe it. We're driving to the hospital, and that person wrote, like woke up. They were perfectly healed, whole. <laughs> Woo! Yay, Jesus. Yay, God. Do it again. Okay, around year two, my friend Drew, he was a go-getter. He was uh, shopping at Target up in Atlanta, and it was near the Shepherd's Spinal Clinic, um, and he ran across a man in a wheelchair, and um, the man I couldn't walk, and uh, he had an injury, and Drew prays for him in Target. The guy gets out of his wheelchair and starts walking in the store, and there's more, and so the guy has this passion and love for soccer, and... Um, and Drew invites him to church to share his testimony. So we gift him a soccer ball. The guy is running the aisles post-testimony, dribbling his soccer ball out of his wheelchair. <laughs> Woo! Drew saw another guy in a wheelchair up in the city in front of a mosque. And uh, he was sitting in his wheelchair. And, uh, and, the, and he, he drew, drew likes to say, 
I was early. I was never early for anything, and I was early, and so I had some time. So I go and pray for this guy in this wheelchair. And the guy gets out of the wheelchair, takes his wheelchair, runs back and forth in front of the mosque, screaming, Jesus saved me, I am healed. In front of this mosque, downtown Atlanta. Okay, another fun one. This one is February of 11, about year four. This is Chris Mullins' testimony back there. Okay, they were here for one month. This was their first month back at the ABC building. And they, um, Chris had a fatty tumor called a lipoma. Okay. And uh, it was, it spanned the length of his back and it was under the muscle. So it was constant pain, which led to like depression. Like just, you, you can't live in agony like that and handle it. And Carrie kept asking him, hey, go get prayer. <laughs> and so I think on his fourth week or so here, he came up front to get prayer. And Chess Youngblood prayed a very soft-spoken, quiet prayer over Chris. And they weren't used to that because they were used to, like, louder, more charismatic prayers. <laughs> and nothing happened. No pain went away, nothing. They go home that afternoon, and the, the, the tumor was hard like a bone. And as the day progressed, around 7 p.m., he's like, hey, Carrie, come and feel this. And it's, like, starting to get soft. <laughs> and shrink. And by 10 p.m., the tumor's completely gone, never to return in the last 13 years. Yay, Jesus. Okay, around year six, um, Paul and Sue Manwaring were here. And, okay, these these are apostolic mothers and fathers in our life. Paul and Sue have visited 15 out of the last 16 years and just have such an investment in our body. And we were um, at the ABC building back then, and uh, he said, I think we need to pray for people who want babies. And this was wild. He uh, invited people up, and the declaration was, anyone who wants a baby gets a baby. And so we called him up. <laughs> we pray. He comes back a year later, and we have a baby boom. We have a lot of infants in mom's arms that did not have the ability to have. It was just like all these beautiful stories. We're having redemption right in front of our eyes. And Sue said, I don't think we're done yet. I think we need to go after this again. And so we, we went for round two that next year. And um, out of that round two came the best Carson and Michaela's twins, came the Armour twins, came Hudson Hale. Like, just, we just kept having these babies. And, and I believe that we're in the middle of another baby boom. I'm going to, we're putting a line in the sand today that said he did it back then 10 years ago. He does it again today. Anyone who wants a baby gets a baby in this house. We're going after it. And it's happening. I feel like the Lord is breathing on it in this season. I, I'm like learning of people that are getting pregnant that have been trying for a long time or having hardships getting pregnant. And we are in the middle of our third baby boom. 
and it is a it is a direct result of us redigging these foundations, revisiting the history, revisiting the testimony, and saying, "God, you did it before. Let's do it again." And He's breathing on it. So take it if it's for you, okay? Don't take it if it's not. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, we'll leave that there. Um. Okay, out of that baby boom came my nephew Hudson, <laughs> and uh, his birth it was a miracle, and um, they, they rushed to the hospital seven weeks early, and there was a crazy loss of blood. This is okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know the kids would be in here, so I just went, okay. Um, uh, there was a crazy loss of blood, and um, the doctor, after he was born, said, okay, we're going to spend the next two years assessing what amount of brain damage is the result of this delivery and the loss of blood. And so they throw up a Jesus help my baby prayer in the hospital, and um, two hours later, the doctor comes in, and he says, weirdest thing, weirdest, weirdest thing. His blood levels are just fine. <laughs> Weirdest thing. That's my God. That's my God. <laughs> and so dad's up here on Sunday morning at the ABC building up there on the up front. He's just sharing, oh, I'm so thankful. You have a new grandson and mom and baby are just fine, which was, it was kind of a, it was real, t real, real crazy. And this nurse that I've never seen in our church before walks up after the service to dad and she says, you don't understand what a miracle that they're both doing okay is. You don't understand. There were 13 or 14 of us doctors and nurses in that room praying life over both of them during that whole labor and delivery. Yay, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, as, a, as we keep going, around year nine, we had this crazy, wonderful testimony. Um, this is the joy of my job. I get to, like, talk to all these people, this, a lot of these people this week. They're sending me these stories. I want to commend our people, by the way, because when I'm reaching out, I'm like, hey, can you send me that testimony? I want to share it. They're sending me screenshots in their phone of 2012. You know, I'm like, whoa, your, your documenting is really impressive. Like, <sighs> the notes app is just a miracle. But, like, I'm just in awe of the way we've stewarded the testimony in this house. Like, for me to have people and shoot them a text and 10 minutes later get this, like, book of a, of a testimony, I'm like, okay, we are stewarding this beautifully. And I commend you all. And I also feel like the conviction to do it more and better because our memory doesn't serve us to the extent we think it does. <laughs> um, so I spoke to this man yesterday, and um, I asked him about his testimony. He asked that I keep him anonymous, so I'm going to tell it. But it was just really a special moment yesterday talking to him. He said, it was the morning of Good Friday in 2016, and he went um, to... He had a plan to, to end his life. And, um, and he went to, I think it was Cumberland Mall, and he was going to go visit the post office that's in the food court to send his brother an e a, a letter in the mail with a few of his 
belongings and a letter to explain what his plans were. I'm going to keep this real because we have kids in the room, okay? Um, and so we have a group of our students. It was Good Friday weekend, so we canceled the outreach that weekend. We're like, hey, it's a holiday weekend. No need to go. Now, a bunch of them decided, we're going to go anyway. We should, let's go. <laughs> so they choose to go to Cumberland Mall. I'm thinking it's Cumberland. Let me find out. Uh, it was? Okay. They choose to go to Cumberland Mall, which I don't think we've ever done an outreach at before or after. <laughs> so by happenstance, they're like, let's go to Cumberland and do a treasure hunt, meaning let's go find people and pray and prophesy over them and see what the Lord is doing and who he's highlighting. And so this man who had a plan for the rest of the afternoon to end his life is sitting there in the food court writing his letter to his brother who he's mailing it to. And one of our guys, Corey, walks up and he's like, hey, are you okay? That's all he said. Hey, are you okay? And the man yesterday says, hey, if a stranger is asking me this, they must have some spiritual belief. And if this is from God, I need to pause and pay attention. And if it's not, I can go my merry way later. But if it is, I'm pausing and I'm paying attention. So he invites the rest of the group. They all sit down at the table in the food court. It's people you know and love in this room. It's the Irma, Sarah Ermatinger. It's Stephanie Ayton. It's Chelsea Christie's daughter. Um, Jessica Garrett. Like, uh, they all just sit and spend time with this gentleman and invite him over to their house. <laughs> and he comes to church the next day because we're having an Easter celebration, like an Easter egg hunt or something. I don't know. And... And he comes to church for years after. <laughs> and this, this man, like, is the most faithful, humble servant <laughs> and just such a gentle spirit. And he told me yesterday, he said, since that weekend, I haven't once considered taking my life. Wow. He's the miracle-working God. <laughs> He's the miracle-working God. He can do it all. That was one question. Hey, are you okay? Hey, are you okay? Wow, God. It's incredible. It's incredible. Christy shared me, with me a testimony of 2016 as well. And they took a team to Columbia and ran across a woman with scleroderma. Is that how you say it? Okay, whatever they said. Um, <laughs> so it's, a, it's rare. It's a chronic autoimmune disease. I think it hurts your organs and some, somewhat eats your organs. And uh, that's my Google research. So that's, that's all I got. <laughs> um, and they run into this woman and they pray over her for healing. And, you know, a lot of times you're praying over people and you never see them again. And you're just, okay, I pray that that worked and see what happened. Uh, they happened to run into her in August of the same year they go back to Columbia. So they took two trips to Columbia within six months of each other. And they are they're, um, ministering and she comes up to find them. And she's like, do you remember me? You prayed for me. And I have been miraculously healed. <laughs> yeah. So this woman has gone 
She's like, I have gone to every church that will let me to share this testimony. <laughs> Yay, Jesus. Okay, around year 10, we were homeless as a church. <laughs> You know, just waiting on the Lord for the right piece of land. And we knew that we wanted, we were like, we want 100 acres for a 100-year vision. Like, God, just bring, bring something that we could hand over from generations and something we can pour our life, um, pour, pour the life of this church into. And, and so we, uh, we bought, what you're sitting on now is this 47, 43-acre horse farm. And my mom is such a visionary. <laughs> She's like, I think we need more land. <laughs> I think we need more land. And the land, you or our realtor, Jessica, the land next to us came up for sale. And it just felt very pricey. And we were, you know, we were a church without a building that was buying, you know, tens of acres. And, uh, and dad's, he's like, I, th I think it's a little too expensive. You know, we, we don't want to carry this crazy mortgage. And in the course of two hours, I wish I remember the exact amount, the price dropped approximately $150,000. <laughs> and we bought that property to top it off to 100 acres. <laughs> so mom and the intercessors, they were praying and we got a call from the realtor. Hey, they're going to drop it. <laughs> and, uh, and that fun, fun part of that story is we closed on that land on mine and Blake's birthday. And uh, we both went home to our oldest kid. And I said, hey, Lake, we, uh, we, bought, you some, we bought you some land today. <laughs> and Blake went home to his oldest kid, Hayden. He's like, hey, Hayden, we bought you some land today. And... There's a generational focus that we're, we're 100 acres for a 100-year vision for generations that we have yet to see. So we're telling stories for generations we have yet to see. And I felt the conviction a couple weeks ago when we got home from Mexico. My family, will uh, we'll throw pictures of our trips. Uh, we'll mirror them to the TV. You know, if we go somewhere really fun or like we went skiing and, you know, and we throw the videos on there, and you can kind of watch, and the kids live vicariously. And so me and I was telling Wynn about my trip to Mexico and all the testimonies of what the Lord did. And I just kept going. I was like, and this person got healed, and this person threw their glasses down and jumped on them because they got their blind eyes healed. And, and, and Wynn was like, I want to go to Mexico. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, these are not selective to Mexico. And as a mom, I felt this conviction, like I have to tell my children what the Lord has done and is doing to keep us expecting that to happen. And so it's for the generations to come. We tell the stories. Uh, another story around that year, we had a, a church member and a student. His name was Michael Jackson. <laughs> For real? <laughs> and uh, he was on a family vacation, got really sick, and had sepsis. And that's like a microorganisms in your blood. He got rushed to the hospital, and the doctor said, you will die in this hospital room. 
you will not leave, leave this room. And so Vanessa and her parents and many others went to the hospital. They put on hazmat suits to go in and pray. And they go in and pray over Michael. And Michael is fully healthy, firefighter in Peachtree City, living a healthy and whole life. His final days were not in that hospital room. Okay, this one's year 11. Jason Cooksey. I texted him this week. <laughs> I got a nice long rendition. I loved it. So Jason was going to Nancy's Pizza in Midtown one night. You see how a lot of these are just in real life? <laughs> just part of our real life. We just, we're not going to be inconvenienced. <laughs> we're going to stop for the one. So Jason stops for the one. He's at Nancy's in Midtown, and a guy named Rashawn, I love how you know his name, he's asking for money and a little bit of food for him and his wife. And um, Jason felt like God said, hey, give him, give him the money in your envelope. You know, the Dave Ramsey envelope system, this is my grocery money. He had 40 or 50 bucks in that envelope. And uh, he said, uh, he said, yeah, I'll give you this money. Um, can I pray with you first? And he, he prayed a prayer asking God to open the man's eyes and show him that he's a son and that God cares about providing for him. And so the man is super touched. And, um, and he said, some things will never be forgotten, Jason. Thank you. And then he pulls his jacket open and shows him a gun. And he said, someone was going to get it today if I didn't get money. If I didn't get money before I got to the MARTA, I was going to have to rob someone, you know. And, and he thanked him again, just kind of like in awe of what God did, how God showed up and cared about him. And, and honestly, in awe of what he was about to do, like, oh, I can't believe I was going to do this. And he was overcome with the realization of God's love. And, and yay, Jason. <laughs> yay, Cooksey. So good. God's so faithful. God's so faithful. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. Okay, this is year 12. Y'all know Scott Redding? Uh, Scott's a soccer coach. And Coach Scott. <laughs> and Scott had a kid named Aaron on his team. And Aaron was going completely blind. And if I understand it correctly, he was getting blind spots in his vision. So he would just lose a person, just a a spot that he could see. And the, it was a, a matter of time until it was fully and completely gone and he was completely blind. His, uh, his teammate told coach, he said, Aaron's just living out his life until he's blind. And just like heartbreaking. And, uh, and Aaron had like, it was really hard on Aaron because all of his friends are turning 16 and they're getting their licenses. And he knows, I'm never going to drive. I, I'm legally going blind. I can't pass a driver's test. I, so this just like hit close to home. And so um, Scott said, I was hesitant to pray for him. I didn't pray for him the first year that I coached him. But on the second year, we were in the parking lot waiting for his mom one day, and I decided to pray for him, and nothing happened. And he's driving home with his mom, and the kids start saying, Mom, stop. Pull over the car. Pull over the car. I can see. 
on the drive home, he's in tears and he's reading things through his blind spots. He's like, at angles he's never been able to read, he's reading things for the first time. He goes to the driver's 15-year-old uh, test and does a depth perception test and he passes. And he's so emotional that the DMV are asking his mom, hey, what's wrong with him? What's happening? And his mom starts telling them the story, and they're so moved. And so he builds this confidence, like, okay, maybe I can drive. And he goes back again at 16, and he takes the um, depth perception test again. And he passes it with flying colors. He doesn't wear glasses. He has perfect vision. He is a driver. He's a 16-year-old driver of a car. Jesus is so good. His life looks very different. He is not living out his life until his, he goes blind. He is living a full, healthy, whole life. Uh, around year 13, um, Arabelle had a dream one night. And Arabelle was 10 or 11 at this time. And Justin had a very bad sprained ankle. We were in the tent over there with wobbly floors and he decided, I'm not going to church because I don't want somebody to step on me, push me, like, you know, I don't want to hit the uneven ground. i got to protect my ankle. <laughs> so Arabelle has a dream that night that Justin, that she gets on a microphone and declares her dream and Justin's ankle get healed. <laughs> so Justin hears his daughter's dream and, and pulls on his faith and shows up to church with his sprained ankle and he stands in the back. And Arabelle, a young girl, is in her dream. She's looking for a woman to give her a microphone. So Arabelle's going up to all the ladies <laughs> that have access to a microphone. Like, can I get on the stage? I need to get on the stage. I need to share a testimony. I need to get on the stage. And we get her on the stage. She has a mic. She shares her dream. And Justin's ankle gets healed. Dan's ankle gets healed. Healings break out in the whole tent. <laughs> Words of knowledge. People are phoning friends, getting healed, getting. It was a wild day from a dream of a 10 or 11-year-old. Yay, Jesus. Okay, back on the baby train is uh, Zaina's testimony. Yay, God. Woo. This is 2017 when Zaina had had, um, she had had four uh, surgeries on her uterus, had multiple blood transfusions and iron transfusions, and she was constantly having fibroids, tumors. And her doctors were saying, when will you be able to have a baby? And she's like, I'm not married. I don't have a boyfriend. I'm working on it, you know. I'm just kidding. That's my rendition. And, uh, and so she's, she's w just waiting it out with these surgeries. And um, then she goes to another OB, and this doctor tells her some really hard things, like your, your womb's problematic. You'll probably never have a baby. It's unsafe to grow a baby. That's even if you could get pregnant. Like that's the, that's the doctor's report. She goes back to the doctor she loves. And, and he's like, oh, you have another, another tumor. We need to get it out. And she's like, I, I don't have time. I'll come back in a few months to get it out. <laughs> and 
The next month she shows up and she's pregnant to this doctor's office. Um, she got married five months prior. Thanks. Thanks. You guys, this was our staff meeting. And don't forget she got pregnant. And don't, don't forget she was married. Yeah, you got to remind yourself all these things. It's a group effort. You want to get these details right, y'all. <laughs> so, so she shows up to her doctor and she's like, I'm pregnant. He starts laughing in just disbelief and joy. And he said, so, so um, in May, he's delivering her, her baby boy, Joseph, Joey. And he's like doing a C-section. And he sees this tumor and he's like, I cannot imagine how you got pregnant with the size of this tumor. And he's like, I'll just take it out right now. So he pulls out the tumor and pulls out the baby. There's a picture of him holding the baby and holding the tumor in a glass, holding the promise, holding the problem. And she is a miracle walking woman with a baby Joey. <laughs> Yay, Jesus. And around year 15, um, Marcus Euland, I don't know if they're here, but y'all are here. And uh, Marcus was diagnosed, well, he was really sick for a, a while. And uh, they didn't know what was wrong. But, you know, he's a high school kid, um, not going to school, having a fever every single day, which is just horrible. Not playing football, not doing what he loves, and so sick, and their parents and Grandma just trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, they eventually figure out that it's limes. And, uh, and in that season, Justin was championing a word of knowledge that said, God, God showed up Justin and said, I want to heal things that start with the letter L. And, and so every time we, we said this word of knowledge, your family were so faithful to come up front and get prayer for, for Marcus. And, um, and the youth group, they went after his healing. Bella had a dream or a vision where she saw a beam coming down over Marcus and the lime being pulled out by Jesus. And the youth group went after it. They're praying for him at camp. The parents are contending. The grandma, we're all going after. Marcus is going to be healed. He's not going to have lime. And he is fully healed, playing football today, living his life, doing what he loves. God's super faithful. He's so faithful. He's so good. I, uh, I, I wanted to, you know, I think it's a significant day to remember and remind ourselves. And I was uh, thinking of the story of Joshua this week. And, you know, they crossed the Jordan River. And he said, hey, one person from every tribe, go grab a, a rock, and we're going to walk across this river. We're going to lay it down in a pile, and that way when your kids ask you, what's this pile of rocks for, you say, oh, that's when we crossed on dry ground. We crossed that river on dry ground, and it's a reminder. We, we need to remind ourselves, <laughs> what, what has he done? Because I'm blown away, and I've been here for 16 years. We got to remind ourselves because we forget. My, um, when I was one or two, my, uh, we lived on 100 acres with all my family. My 
um, my 20 cousins, we all grew up together. And there was this one tragic day that my two-year-old cousin fell out of the back of a pickup truck, and the pickup ran over his chest. And he had tire tracks on his chest. They rushed him to the hospital. He was completely fine, the miraculously whole. Yeah. It's like my best friend growing up, David. And so David was a miracle, a walking miracle. And my grandpa, he said, hey, family, we got to remember this. Like, we don't want to be forgetful of what God's done. He made a pile on the property of memory stones. And he's like, every time you pass this, you throw a stone on there with something God has done. And we're starting with this stone for David, who's miraculously with us today. We have this pile of rocks on our property that we remember with. <laughs> and and we, have, we have to work this muscle. Like, I will, what I talk about, what we proclaim, we will start to expect. <laughs> and what we will expect will start to happen more often. And when it starts happening more often, we're going to talk about it more often, and we're going to expect it, and it's going to happen more often. It's this beautiful cycle of why we value and honor the testimony of what Jesus has done. Because he is in our midst, and he is moving, and he is beautiful, a miracle-working God. And so, I let's just, uh, let's stand. <laughs> And we're going to pray. Jesus, you're so good. Father, we love you. You've been so good to us all of the years. I'm just blown away by your kindness, your miraculous power, your, your presence, your nearness, and how you just show up. And you just show off. And your, your intentions are so good toward us. And we just thank you for this house. We thank you for the promises over it. We thank you for the miracles in the room and the miracles yet to be, God. And we live in that tension, but know that you're so good. You're so good. We love you. We love you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.